it's January 4th. It's Friday. Uh, it's cold as shit in Boise, it's Idaho. It's sunny, but, but it's, it's, it's 32, 36. It's not. Ouch. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, dude. Cold. <laughs> Real cold. So you guys are hunkered down in the studio. We are. Absolutely. We are. And, and you are actually a, a small owner of this studio. Uh, very small. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, actually, I don't think I actually claim any part of that studio, unless that's the most valuable part of the business, and in which case I do. Okay. Good As to we know. have this conversation, it could be. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> so, first of all, uh, thank you. Uh, we do have, um, and I, I need to ask real quick are you going by Sanford, Sandy, or for our Mexican listeners, Essay? Essay is preferred. Uh, but Sanford is my legal name on all my documents and my credits. However, uh, very few people call me that unless I'm in deep shit. Um, so most people call me Sandy. Okay, so for this conversation, we can call you Essay. I prefer I prefer Sanford. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Sandy, uh, yeah. <laughs> you started out a poor young white boy in the Central <laughs> Valley of California. Please talk about your upbringing a little bit. The early years. Uh, how early are we talking? I want to talk while um, when we look up Hayseed, uh, you're an Oki kind of, right? For, I mean, let's be honest. You grew up in the Valley. Uh, that is not true. Okay, well, so um, defend yourself. I, I, born in beautiful Hanford, California. <laughs> uh, lived, resided in Lemoore near the Naval Air Station. Um, mother was a teacher. Father worked for the county. Um, we left there when I was three years old. Uh, my parents wanted to get the heck out. Uh, they liked being by the beach. We used to summer uh, in Avila at a place uh, that's probably no longer there. It was a little motel that we used to call the Mouse Hole. It was a tiny little um, motel room that we used to go there in the summer. Oh, okay. Out. Stop for a second. Where, where was it, actually, in Avila? Um, my, as close as I know, because I, you know, I was five or something last time I ever went there, if you turn down the, turn down the not the main drag but the next road, yeah, uh, um, and made a left there, right down that, uh, right down which uh, I don't even know what that street is, but right through kind of the heart of Avila there, it was off to the left. And um, I was looking at it last time I was there, and I think that's where those were. There was just used to be a bunch of shitty little motels uh, rooms there, um, and now it's I think that one of them is a house, and then there's some other rentals and stuff. Okay, and I didn't mean to throw you I'm, off. So, so you're a five year old now, and you've lived. Uh, you're where? Rio Grande. Uh, yeah. Well, first, uh, the first house when I was three, we moved to a Tascadero, um, and we lived in a old, uh, a really cool old house uh, by the train tracks. I remember the train tracks when I was a kid. That is the place where, when I was three years old, I fell off the pony cart and cut my face open. Um, and, you know, had the hundred and whatever stitches and the scar that has now, you know, no one notices anymore, but for like the first 30 years of my life, everybody's like, where'd you get the scar? Where'd you get the scar? Um, so that's where that happened. Ooh, um, do me a favor. You see where you are on the, your phone right now? Can you stay close to that proximity? Yes. Is okay. Better? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So then we were there. We were only there for probably my dad had a, had gotten a job, I think in San Luis working for the county, and eventually from there we moved south to uh, the ditch ah. um, where, where I lived until graduation. 
the ditch. Why do you call it such? <laughs> um, well, Steve, that would be, since you know, you're know you referring to me as essay, that would be the Spanish translation, uh, the English translation of the Spanish, I should say. Yes. Uh, Arroyo Grande being large ditch. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it was a large ditch. And why do we say Arroyo Grande and Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo? Uh, because we are not native. We, we are sort of, but we're gringos. I get it. But we, I mean, like, you know immediately when somebody says they're going to San Luis Obispo, <laughs> yes. they're not from where we grew up. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's part of the white man's burden, right? We came here, we have to take everything and twist it to our own devices. <laughs> so anything as nice sounding as, you know, Arroyo Grande immediately becomes Arroyo Grande or AG. Correct. Or the ditch. Or the, or the ditch, yeah, more colloquially. I like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll fast forward a little bit. Now, you're, uh, you're a high school student, and this is where we were introduced, sort of, right? Uh, well, I believe so, yes. Or had, in previous years, you'd thrown a basketball at Sean Illig's legs and undercut him and nearly... <laughs> I mean, you were the bully in the neighborhood. Is this not accurate? I don't believe that's true. I mean, Sean Illig was the little bully. I was just defending myself. Uh, uh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> Likely a little story. Napoleon, if you think about it. Yeah. What did he grow up to be? He grew up to be a Marine who went off and killed people. So I rest my case. I'm a writer. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I like it. All right. So normally what we ask people, Jay, go ahead. What, what do we ask people as far as their upbringing at this? What was my favorite toy? Nope. Like no. DC, you jumped ahead. No, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that was not on the list. Were you were you a house kid or did were you an apartment kid? Like it sounded like you were mostly house, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we ever. Well, no, the house in uh, in his house, Darrow, was a rental, but like I said, that was a big old house. Um, I think we always we always owned. Um, kind of a rub it in your face there, Jay. Did you uh, see that? Yeah. He, it was a rental, but it was really <laughs> <Yeah>. big. Like, <laughs> and and, and uh, SA uh, knows what I grew up in. Uh, crap hole little apartment at yeah. Grover Beach, yeah. uh, Grover City. I like it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you can justify the rental being big. You're a rich kid. Um. Well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, we didn't. Uh, I mean, my parent, my dad's from Arkansas. My mom's uh, an orphan. Um, she's, she's <laughs> <laughs> Is, oh, wait, stop! <laughs> and I, I love your mom to death. But I, why'd you go to the orphan car? <laughs> she's an orphan. Her parents were. But I mean, she lived in fo- in a foster home. I didn't know that. Parents both died. Yeah, her her father uh, died when she was, I think, five years old. He actually, um, well, he blew himself up. <laughs> huh? Yeah. He went, <laughs> wow. You, know, you can't really just pass over that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he went down. There was a, there was a gas leak he didn't know about. I guess he went into the garage. And oh. He did a match for some reason, and the whole thing blew up, and he ran out on fire. The neighbor lady was watering her lawn. She turned the hose on him. Um, he was, uh, you know, badly burned, third-degree burns. And he lived about a week in the hospital, and then he passed away. And then my grandmother, uh, my, my mom and my uh, uncle lived with my grandmother until she got breast cancer and died at, when my mom was 12. Okay, so they stop both, for they I, I got to stop off. you for a sec, dude. Did you listen to Mark's episode where we sped him up through some ep- <laughs> 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 Like everybody's dying. 
Like we got people on fire, we got cancer. I didn't know. I've known this guy all my fucking life. <laughs> He's never shared any of this with me. <laughs> JJ, do you know why that is? Because he doesn't care about anybody else. That's that's true. Time, You're so been, true. 50, 50 years and he's finally asking his friends questions <laughs> on podcasts. Wait a second. Wait. Does Chris know that? Do, do other people know this shit? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. So we're all learned. Um <laughs> okay, so we're friends at Arroyo Grande High School. We met, blah, blah, blah. Uh, who is the most famous alum of Arroyo Grande High School? Um, Arroyo Grande High School? Correct. Um, is there anybody famous? Zach Efron, right? Oh, I guess, well, I mean, I was thinking in our day. Yes, Zach Efron. <laughs> <laughs> well, in our day, we had nobody. Yeah, we've, we've never had anybody. No, I've, but I've only heard rumor that he went there. Um, I'm assuming that's true, though. Oh, that's. I thought that wasn't rumor. I thought that was actually fact. But oh, good. I've never had it uh, checked out, but uh, you know that's what I tell people. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a high school basketball star. Is that correct? Um. Well, uh, term star, Steve. That's you know very subjective. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had some moments. If you if you mean bench warmer who had like a minute and nineteen. Uh, seconds worth of you know notoriety then yes wait did you not guard an nba veteran <laughs> in high school i did guard tom Dover. okay <laughs> <laughs> you guys won that I game think, too didn't you i think he worked us no he worked us. They, we lost him. that was our last game of uh my senior year yeah he was that in santa maria that was yeah yep uh tom tolbert for artesia oh. high school if you're out there well, tom we could use the listenership <laughs> yeah. Let me just say, for the record, you know, love Tom Tober. Think he's a great guy. The guy was a wuss in those days. Never didn't oh. want to go inside and bang with those big boys. Ooh. He was outside shooting threes. I like threes that now. fire yeah. right there. Yeah. All right. So you graduate from high school, and then you go on to where? Um. Well, there was a little, uh, you know, finding yourself period. There was. Uh, <laughs> There was initially it was Cal Poly computer science major, which we all knew that wasn't going to last. Um, there was some struggle with some math courses, <laughs> um, some econ courses that didn't quite um, couldn't quite uh, dig myself out of. Um, thought, hey, love the heyday of high school. Let me try to recreate that by going to Cuesta College mm, yeah. um, and playing with a bunch of those scrubs. Um, did that for a semester. That didn't quite work out either. And then said, I need to get the hell out of Dodge. Um, and so then I transferred to USC. Hmm. You weren't run out of the school for cheating on a test. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. Steve, that, that, that sounds harsh also. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a snap to your judgment? It was, a, it was a little far. You went a little far. I think I was removed from the basketball team. <laughs> JC. Um, but I was not kicked out of school. No, I know. Um, unfortunately, I had, to, I had to quit on my own. Um, but yeah, I'm sure Steve would love to recount that story for all of us. No, no, it's uh, a big part that's, of it. That, that, <laughs> I, I kind of am. Uh, but um, damn it, Steve! <laughs> no, it's a good story. But we're going to pass that one on because there's too many good stories. So now uh, I moved to Long Beach, and I somehow recruit you down there. Is that correct? Yeah, I think you spent about a month with your uh, 
cousin Marlene, and you were like, "Hey, dude, you got to move down here." No, no, no. You were. I'm sorry. No offense, but it, uh, I had another interval. Remember, I had Bob and Rick. Oh, did you have Bob and Rick after Marlene? Yeah, yeah. I begged those guys to come down. Uh, no Probably offense, Marlene, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, okay, so we became roommates, and I was attending, uh, well, Long Beach City, Long Beach State, while you were an astute USC attendee. Is that correct? That's true. Okay, and what were you studying there? Well, Steve, um, my intention was to go there uh, to get into the cinema school. As um, many people know, USC Cinema School is regarded worldwide as one of the best film schools. Um, very difficult to get into. I thought I was going to be able to. I couldn't get in initially, but they said, hey, come on down, pay tuition, take classes. You can transfer in. Um, I did that, and they said they didn't let me in. Um, so I quickly real. I took some cinema courses and stuff and then realized, I, first of all, it's enormously expensive. I need to get out of here. What degree can I get and get quickly? Um, and so I became an English major. Uh, yeah. Well, and it worked out as we'll get to. Um, in between that, you were a beer tender. I was. <clears throat> Where? Um, well, what I like to think of as possibly one of the best little watering holes on the West Coast place called Joe Joe's. Um, it's been there since, um, let's see, 1928, I believe. Um, started out as a little beer pool hall haircutting place uh, until the health department came in and said, you can't, you can't cut hair and serve food. Um, so they got rid of the haircutting, um, went strictly to beer, and uh, been there ever since. Kind of a blue-collar watering hole. Met some of you know, met some guys I've been friends with for, you know, uh, as long as I've been friends with Steve almost, um, you know, years and years. And still go back there, still hang out there, still know most of the bartenders by name. Um, yeah, it's, it was a great little spot. Sandy, would you believe that we had a uh, bar open up here in Garden City uh, that does beard trimmings, kombucha, <laughs> and hard? I think hard liquor, all out of the same spot. Oh, that's nice. the well, that's the evolution, no, sir. As long as there's no hair on the food, I think was, is the big problem. Yeah, I could see that being problematic. You know, you doing that saved me a lot of money through uh, our college years. Yeah, I don't want to announce this on a podcast, but I probably gave you a couple free beers. While you were there were a couple again. Couple it's the bartender's curse, right? Yep. yep. Austin, how many free beers did you give as a bartender? Ha. What did he just ha, say? Ha ha. What does that mean? Uh, however, I mean, a fucking million? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for some concrete how numbers. Many but I, how many did I drink? I don't know. <laughs> Fair God enough. Damn it. Uh, okay, so <laughs> did you like bartending or beer tending? And again, beer tending, very different than bartending. Very different, you guys. Right? Very. Yeah. Uh, no, well, there's a, a lot of people that have made it a career. There's been people at that job for 10, 20, some people 30 years that haven't left. Um, I, I mean, I would go there. I would work there right now if I could get a job there. Um, it's it's a good time. It's basically you get to kind of hang out with your friends and people you, you know, that come and drink beer and hang out and chat. And um, in the old days, you could drink beer while you were beer tending. Um, not so much anymore, but um, yeah, I'd do it in a second. Did you did you ever like vacay down to TJ? I feel like some. I feel like some of these questions are, you know, these are these are all setups. Um, 
I, I don't have, think these are just innocent ask. queries into my past. All I want to know is, is there or is there not an airport? <laughs> well, I don't know if there is or not. <laughs> I can tell you that Steve and I did not get to it. Okay. <laughs> As we begged for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, we were probably minutes away from being, you know, killed and dropped in a hole somewhere. Although Mexico in those days wasn't the Mexico of today. It was much less, uh, you know, it was much more laid back, less less killing and all. Okay. Um, but yes and no. So I, I need you to give just a, a two-minute rundown uh, of us getting the phone call and kind of venturing with um, Jim, who's been uh, obviously a member or a guest on the show, um, and Todd. And, and we were talking about the worst hotels that have ever been stayed in. <laughs> was that a hotel room, though? Uh, it, like, I don't know <laughs> if it was somebody's apartment or a flop house. Or, or They escorted a family out so we could stay there that night. I know that. Oh, okay. So where I, cause my memory is, I, I couldn't remember if there was like other beds with other people sleeping on them. I just remember <laughs> the one we went to lay down on had had pubic hair on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. What else did you see that night that you've probably never seen in your life? <laughs> Another setup. Um, well, Steve, let me tell you, uh, you know, we were innocently drinking at this nice little watering hole when, uh, you know, just a just a nice senorita who probably thought, you know, hey, here are some you know nice looking guys from the other side of the border who probably just you know uh, be nice to chat with them. She sat down. Um, I think under the guise of just wanting to get to know us. <laughs> yes. Shortly after, um, she whipped her titty out and was squirting milk all over the table. Uh, That's a true statement. Like, funny. <laughs> funny and frightening. Uh, I think it was pretty shortly after that that you and I pulled the plug and looked for an airport, though. <laughs> and wandered out aimlessly through TJ. <laughs> the beauty of the end of this story is that we were so fucked up and, and we were looking for an airport and begging. Again, I told you we were in the back of a, um, a station wagon cab and we were the two guys looking out <laughs> as the, the city back. was, yeah, at the back and uh, have no idea where we're going. Um, and then he drops us off back downtown somehow, probably an hour ride later. And we're just hoping to see somebody we know. And there's there's Jim and uh, and Todd, right? Yeah, they we were, found them. And weren't they like asking some kid to play like uh, Zeppelin or something? On- uh, it was <laughs> Jim, Jim was asking him to play. Uh, 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 it was uh, Black Sabbath. He was asking oh, Black for Black Sabbath. Sabbath to be played on the kazoo, <laughs> so he could tip him. Yes, yeah. classy people. Um, so that was TJ. Yes, we did see a lactating hooker, uh, yeah. and uh, there was a pube. And then we got uh, arrested as we were trying to leave town. Uh, which for is open which container. is standard. It's de rigueur for Mexico. On your way out, they always pull you over and say, "Ah, open container," you know, because there's a can on the floor that you know three days ago had beer in it and has nothing in it now, but it's open container. But yeah. you know, if you just fork over whatever we had left, which I think was less than thirty dollars, I I always say about thirty six dollars, thirty seven dollars. I think we rounded up as much as we had. We gave him everything, and he's asked. I feel like there's a generational gap in how many times people have been arrested. And I don't on, on average cuz I like I'm afraid to get arrested today. But back in the day it was like no big deal to like go to the go to the can for a day. Shit, sp- San- what did you spend the How long did you spend on the pokey there in Long Beach? <laughs> uh, which time? <laughs> 
<laughs> I've, I've only rested once in Long Beach. Um, I think I was there. I got out the same day. I got well. I got arrested in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you arrested, please? Um, because genius that I was, and 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 Steve is partly to blame at this, as you oh. see, is the recurring theme in all of these stories. Oh. Steve is Steve is the. It's the common denominator. I, I, don't, I, I don't agree. <laughs> but Steve had introduced me to his bar, his barber, his new barber, who was, you know, great guy, cheap haircut. And I started going to him. And he recruited me to sell football cards, which is basically has all the games that Sunday on it with the line. And then you, you pay a dollar for the card. You pick them. And if you get so many right, then you win so much money back. And all my job was to do is like, hey, you work at Joe Joe's go and sell these cards uh, to customers and, you know, I'd give you whatever it was, 10% or something. So being the, the fantastic salesman that I am, I sold three <laughs> cards and one of them was to an undercover officer. Oh. <laughs> so when they picked me up, uh, like two months later, they picked me up at 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever, took me down to the Long Beach police station, which uh, if you ever lived in Long Beach, you've heard the horror stories. Long Beach Police Station is actually below ground, so there's an elevator that takes you from the top floor down. And traditionally, what happens is you get in the elevator with a couple of cops because nobody can see you. They beat the fuck out of you on the way down <laughs> and then drag you out at the bottom and book you. Yeah, but you've been uh, beaten by cops before. <laughs> yes, but thankfully not this time. <laughs> uh, he has been beaten by Cop. That's fucked up. <laughs> that was also Steve's fault. <laughs> that was Chris's fault. Damn it, Steve. No, no, no. Sandy, you take that back. That was... All right, Steve was there. It wasn't his fault. It was so. Jones's fault. He did encourage me to yell at the cop and tell him that I was going to press charges when he yanked <laughs> on my broken arm. Yes. <laughs> that did... did not help. <laughs> I was yelling from a different cell, though. Like, I heard Sandy yelping from the other cell. <laughs> By the way, there's no one more loyal than Steve. Right That's there, true. Telling them what you know that we were going to report him and we we're going to have his badge, and you know he's, he's backing me up all the way. Yeah, yeah, I Steve, was. Steve will play along. I know. <laughs> I, I know the inside, bro. <laughs> well, anyway, I digress. So uh, they take me down, they book me, and what? And they take me into the room, just like you know any cop show you ever seen. So they take me into the box, right? Put me at a table, you know, hey, cigarette, coffee. <laughs> Are you writing a movie right now? <laughs> and then it's like, this is the true shit, dude. So then it's like, hey, um, you know, who are you? What are you doing? You know, uh, we've been following you. So it turned out they've been following me for like two months. They opened, like, I sold this card to this undercover cop. He went and told his buddies, hey, I think we're onto a big, you know, we got a, we, we're, on, we're onto a big thing here. <laughs> they fucking followed me for two months. Was I go to USC and you know, you know, go out drinking and whatever I do. Sure. And uh, so he asked me, and he's like, you know, are you gonna come? Clean? And I fucking spill my guts. I mean, that that's the first thing they tell you, you know, not to do, right? You're supposed to get a lawyer. I told him everything. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's who it is. This is the guy that gave me the card. Here's his name. How'd that work her. though? Did it work out for your in your favor to do that? Uh, well, that's where that's where I'm getting. So no. I tell him everything. They go, hmm. They leave. You know, I sit in the box, sweat me for a while more, come back and say, well, here's the thing. Um, we believe you. Uh, we realize that you're you're basically in nothing, nobody who's done nothing. 
Um, but we have logged so many hours in this investigation <laughs> that we can't let you go. <laughs> we have to have a bus to, to, to basically to justify all the man hours. Uh-huh. So um, they wrote me up for, I don't even remember what it was they wrote me up for. Um, but it's basically gambling. It was like, uh, it was, uh, it was, I don't, I don't think it was the felony. I think it was the misdemeanor version of it. You'd want to know. But it, but anyways, <laughs> Those are really important. <laughs> so anyway, it was bad. So um, to make a long story very much longer, uh, I get out. Um, one of the bartenders came bailed me out. I get out. I've basically lost my job because I've been I've been arrested in Joe Joe's. Um, <laughs> so bad, I bad go look. back to Ken. And I was the owner, very nice man. Uh, and I said, "Shout out, Ken." I fucked up, and uh, you know this is what I did, and I'm stupid. And he said, "You have every right to fire me, but if you fire me, I won't ever be able to make it up to you what I did and what happened." And I said, "But if you let me stay, oh, it's good work. every day, whatever." And he let me stay. And he also hooked me up with a lawyer. Uh, I don't even think did I meet the guy. I don't think I even met him. I think I talked to him on the phone. So this is where connections work because Joe Joseph's been there forever. He yeah. knows everyone. He hooks me up with this guy. I talk to him on the phone. He says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. He's a lawyer. What? A couple months go by. He calls me on the phone. And basically what happened was he went and played golf with the arresting officer. And by the end of it, they agreed to reduce the charge to basically what's uh, it was a municipal code violation, which is something you get like if you were pitching pennies on the sidewalk. It's like getting a, it's, it's like not even a parking ticket. Solicitation. Yeah, not solicitation. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, <laughs> so, yeah, and it cost me like at that time it was $800, like every dime I had um, just for being a dumbass. All right, uh, we're going to get to your career here real quick, but I want to ask one last question. Did you or did you not ever throw a drink on a Canadian woman? <laughs> on a Canadian woman? Yeah, in Mazatlan. Uh, well, I, if it happened in Mazatlan, I just have to say I did it. I don't even remember. You don't remember throwing a strawberry daiquiri all over that woman? <laughs> yeah, you do. We had to sprint out. A, yeah, you do. Who's who's the woman? What, it was a some ca- it was a Canadian. And, and you were offended. She had said something, and you took an entire strawberry margarita, and we had to leave El, uh, El Gringo. No, not El Gringo. The Gringo Lingo? No, not the Gringo uh, Lingo, but the other place, uh, Senor Frogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had to run out of there, Sandy. You don't remember that? I, okay, you know, that's Steve, a repression. I've, I've thrown sauces and drinks and stuff. I think you can attest to that. Mm. I was going to bring up Boston, but we just, <laughs> we're going to run out of time. But you <laughs> did start a mustard fight. In uh, a very fine establishment in Boston. Uh, I get my feelings hurt, I lash out. What can I say? <laughs> he took a bottle of mustard and pounded the bottom of it at my shirt in a <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> in, yeah, you did. In a finer part of Boston. What'd you fucking say? He was married at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was me I and Channy. But... Oh, you weren't then? No. Oh, Living I should know that. I was your best man. <laughs> I think I keep my date straight, huh? <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, Channing and I went back there and Channing, I know you're the only one that listens to this show. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> uh, we went back there and he took a bottle of mustard and hit the bottom and sh- it went all over my shirt in the middle of a restaurant. 
Yeah, but so, what Steve fails to tell you is he then grabbed a bottle of ketchup and chased me out of the restaurant. Two statement. <laughs> In the middle of a fine out. dining restaurant, I'm chasing him. It's like a cartoon scene. I'm shoving, I'm hitting uh, the bottom, and, and yeah. You sirs are ridiculous. That happened. Anyhow. Yeah, it couldn't have been. So now you're you're a fine upstanding um, worker in the community of film, right? What would you consider your first big break? Um, well, big break or just getting in? Like yeah, getting, getting in. in. Yeah, start with just getting in. Definitely start. You start there. Austin's gonna. He, he's really, really has a lot of questions for you here. <laughs> well, Don't worry. You know, I can't, I, I don't want to uh, undercut the memoir that will, you know, soon be available in bookstores near you. But um, I'll, I will give Is that north of normal? <laughs> which, which is that uh, uh, basically I got in because I worked for free. Um, so that's, that's basically, you know, as an intern, that's, that was the only, that's kind of the only way uh, to get in. Um, I went to Emerson College after I graduated from USC. I went to Emerson College because it's like I don't know that I want to leave, you know, college. It's so much easier than the real world. I don't want to get a real job, so I went there and then realized that I couldn't. I didn't want to like teach people or do any of that crap. Um, so I came back to LA and through Emerson, though they actually had an internship program, and I got a job um, with the producer. I interviewed at a bunch of places, like New Line Cinema was one of them, and a, and a bunch of places for like low-level intern jobs. But I actually got a job uh, working for a producer, this guy Gary Foster, um, who at that time was at TriStar Pictures. Um, and I, be, I was I was supposed to work there, like, you know, because you're an intern, they want you to work like, you know, what, three hours, three days, you know, three days a week. I went every day, eight hours a day for the whole summer. Um, and she taught me how, the, the lady there taught me, like, how to cover scripts, you know, you basically read the script and you write a synopsis and um, kind of give your opinion on you know the material and i did that for them and by the end they um they had a position for an assistant so i got the job for 500 bucks a week working as the assistant to a producer hell yeah i like that that's a great story and and gary was a big time i mean he became a big time producer correct um i mean yes I mean, he, he's produced a lot of features i mean there are i mean there are some big big you know the scott rudens of the world and the you know, those kind of people are are big producers with multiple multiple features. He was a little independent guy whose dad was you know a producer before him. Who kind of um, you know he learned by the seat of his pants. Um, you know he worked on the Flamingo Kid way back in the day as a you know as a PA, and then he found this script that these two guys had written called Short Circuit, and um, through the help with, from his dad, they actually got that movie made, and that was kind of a big hit. And so he ended up getting a deal um so he was kind of scrambling i mean they give you in a deal they got to give you you know so much money um so that you can hire people like me an assistant and this uh this woman who was my boss who was the director of development that she read all the scripts and you know found the projects <clears throat> and so he had like a um he had like a two or three year deal there and he was developing stuff so pa for all those that's production assistant correct Oh yes, production. Okay, and and that's that's kind of how you start in that industry. Is is that fair? Like you, you got to work your way up as a PA and kind of. Yeah, it's the lowest of. It's sort of the entry level job. Yeah. And there's all there's all kinds of PAs. There's on set PAs, which are actually people that are you know working on the set when you know they're shooting the movie. There's 
office PAs who work for producers and for writers, and um, there's PAs that work, you know, at studios and networks, and um, so there's all kinds of PAs, but you're basically the low person on the totem pole. You either, if you're lucky, maybe you answer the phone, otherwise you're, you know, you get coffees, you, well, in the old days, you used to deliver scripts, but you don't have to do that anymore because it's all email. Or you were the carpool guy on Sleepless in Seattle, where you invite your buddy Steve up, and we spend a weekend, and you're, I get to have lunch with Bill Pullman, right? I try to, I try to spread the love, Steve. No, that was, it was just me, Sandy. There's no one else to spread the love to. <laughs> like, <laughs> your circumference was minimal. Uh, but anyhow, and the love was spread, and um, I got to hang out there in Seattle. Like, so Sandy's working with. Meg Ryan, you know, like we're on set. It, it was fucking cool. So yeah. I was, uh, and I've shared this with you, Sandy. Like it was, it was, it's pretty badass for me to go there. And, and you're like, okay, we're on set. You know, we're gonna take the company car. And um, what year was that? Do you remember, Sam? That was 1992. Okay, so 92. Yeah, right before I moved up to Boise, Damn. I met you up there. Yeah, and uh, I got to meet Nora Efron. Uh, we had lunch with Bill Pullman. Uh, Bill Pullman joked about how Sandy was his uh, his his uh, backup, right? <laughs> Remember, <laughs> Bill Pullman was a, a completely decent person. He uh, is a very nice. right. So um, I I always thought that was a very cool experience, and I and like I said, I think I've told you that it was really cool to come up there and kind of be a part of that. Like, and that movie was a hit, right? I mean, that was Gary Foster at his height. Yeah, that was a big hit. Yeah, and um, so you're a PA there, and then it's time to kind of branch out and do your own thing, right? What, what do you consider your first break in that industry as far as after now you're a PA and you want to be a writer? Uh, yeah, I kind of I knew I kind of wanted to be a writer, uh, but I was scared to leave because I was getting, you know, which in our business is hard to do. I had like a regular full-time job. I got paid every week. I had benefits, and I was like, I didn't want to leave. You know, I was scared to leave, but I was like, I knew that this was not the way I wanted to go. I didn't want to be the person reading the scripts and, and taking the meetings and doing all that crap and having the lunches. I wanted to be the person to go off and, and you know, write the stuff. So um, I, I first started trying to get uh, Gary Foster into television. I said, you know, there are other people that are developing TV stuff. And I said, I thought here I could, you know, if I could, he didn't have a TV arm at that point. And I, I was thinking, uh, I was trying to convince him to do that, and we we took some meetings, but we never did develop any TV stuff. But while I was doing my TV research, I realized that there were that there were writers in television. There was like a whole group of writers, and that they worked together, and that writers hired other writers, and that you know the assistants worked directly with the writers. And actually, in TV, the writer is the boss. Like in in features, it's always the director, and the writer kind of gets you know kicked to the curb at a certain point and treated crappily. But in TV. You know, you control everything. The director works for you. Um, you run the show. So um, that was appealing, and I, and I wanted to get into that side of it. And so um, I started sending my resume around trying to get – and luckily, you know, I had the Sleepless in Seattle thing on there, and that was – at that point, that was that was worth a callback or two. And I, but I did struggle to move over because everybody was like – at that point, they're like, well, why do you want to leave features and come to television? Like, television is like the little sister. Um and I was like, I, I don't really care. I'm just, you know, I just want to, I want to write. So eventually um, I had these guys picked up the phone when I called and they needed somebody. Uh, and I started working on a, on a show, um, a new show that ended up, you know, um, it didn't end up going anywhere, but I made relationships with those two guys who were a writing team. 
and I worked for them on several different shows. And eventually, um, they created a show called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which was way back in the day before the movies. Um, it was Scott Bakula and Maria Bello, and they were spies who didn't know each other's real identities. So they had to work together all the time, but they didn't know each, who each other really was. And so there was a lot of fun romantic tension while they you know, went out and, and did their spy stuff. Uh, it was a really fun show. Um, and on that show, I actually got to write an episode. Was that the Bob Myers episode? That is the Bob Myers episode. <laughs> okay, so the Bob Myers episode, again, Bob was a LeBois participant. He's, he's a friend of ours. So Sandy named it after him, <laughs> named the character. But the thing I'm most thrilled about is somebody traveled under the assumed name of Lipkin in that. Is that correct? That's true. They did. <laughs> you got to throw now, why, any, why anybody would travel under the name Lipkin, it's the most... Oops, there's the spy. I know. There's the spy right there. <laughs> Look at the Jew. It's, uh, not, it's not a name that flies under the radar. No, true. But I always appreciate the uh, the shout-out that uh, we made it into network TV. Um Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, how many shows have you worked on now? Oh, God. Um, including as an assistant and as a writer? I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is my 15th year as a writer. So, I mean, that's got, that's, I mean, without like actually getting out fingers and toes and counting, that's probably, there's like 12 shows there. Um, or at least, you know, 10. IMDb gives you 25 credits. Yeah, see, I was going to say, I know Austin, youthful Austin, knows exactly how many credits you have. <laughs> well, those are writing credits. But I'm saying the number of shows, if you count the, you know, the ones I was assistant on, I know probably, I don't know, it's got to be 15 or 20. Yeah, uh, impressive. And now, um, do you want to break the news? Like, we can be your uh, your voice for the new show, Uh we can you can use us as the uh, launch the launch if you want to break Which, news to the the rest of the world on your new show. Yeah, well, this will be the only publicity I'll never need. <laughs> uh, well, there, 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 we are writing a pilot uh, for the CW um, based on a novel called City of Ghosts, and it's basically about a girl um, who has a, a very unique ability who goes to Edinburgh. Um, and, you know, the University of Edinburgh in real life actually has Scotland. Whole par- yeah, in Scotland, has a whole paranormal department. And so she kind of goes there to graduate school and gets you know mixed up in all kinds of uh, fun paranormal stuff. But uh, we're we're working on the script right now. I mean, I was literally to take this phone call. I had to put the computer down. Um, we are supposed to turn in um, a draft to the CW here on Monday. So we're frantically you know racing towards the finish line trying to get it all um finished and, and polished up very cool so when you say were you have a writing partner i do uh karen weiscarver has been my writing partner for well i mean we i mean that's my whole career i uh, i did write the i wrote uh, an episode of mr and mrs smith by myself and i wrote a charmed episode but i never got to i didn't get, actually get to write that i only got the story credit on that and then I have one other some there's one other credit by myself, I don't remember. But then everything else, uh, you know, Karen and I have basically our whole career since, you know, we we our first job was on Boston Legal, um, way back in the day. We we started as a team and we've been a team for you know for this is our fifteenth fifteenth season. Uh, shout out to Karen. That's really cool. Yeah, because I know what she puts up with. Yeah, no, she she has a lot to put up with. Yes. Um. 
Okay, so you have had, what did you say, 15, 25 uh, credits, give or take. What do you, what was the most enjoyable of those times? Uh, I mean, they all had their, their good and bad. I think um, a lot of times the, the, you know, the most successful ones aren't, aren't the, aren't the most fun. I think the one that we enjoyed the most was the little show that didn't get, uh, it was only on for one season. Uh, it was called the finder. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I have to laugh. You know why <laughs> I laugh because a friend of ours, <laughs> the intro, like nobody, uh, can, nobody, nobody can get past the intro, Sandy, you know that. Yeah. Uh, I um, mean, what's he going to find? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Todd made fun of that. for. <laughs> So that was it, but you had fun on that one. Why? Uh, first of all, um, love the the guy who created the show uh, is Clark Hansen, who created Bones. Oh. Um, he's a great guy, fun. He has a really similar sensibility uh, to ours, I think. He likes to he likes things to be fun and for there to be banter, and you know, it's, it's just um, he's not interested in you know making a dour, you know, dark show. He's you know interested in, in kind of being fun and light um the other thing was just it was a great concept because you could literally do you can your episode could be about anything you know if if you're writing an episode of bones it had you had to find bones and then you had to have all these bone clues on the finder literally someone could hire him to find anything so it didn't have to do a murder you didn't have to you could do whatever you wanted um so you know we got like the the first episode we wrote um i think it's called the cinderella story or something a guy comes in a nerdy guy comes in because he met a hot girl at a bar and she ran away and all he has is her shoe and he wants him to find the girl whose shoe that is. I mean, so it's like, you just get to do fun stuff. Like you can't do that on, you know, um, on NCIS. Yeah. I hear you. you know, it makes sense. It's always dead bodies. I mean, we get, I get tired of the, I get tired of the dead bodies and the, you know, the body count and stuff. And that show was just fun and it was sunny and the, the actors were great. Um, the star of that show, uh, is a guy named, uh, Jeff Stoltz. Um, who's just game for anything, um, fun to work with. I mean, we just had a great time. Mark Clark Duncan was on the show. So were you a little bit of like ahead of the industry, you would say, in transitioning from features to like uh, series, TV series? Because it seems like with like Netflix and Hulu, that would only help your 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 ability to be employed, right? Thank you, JJ, for uh, – I've always liked you, and uh, I appreciate you uh, picking up on that. Yes, I was ahead of her. <laughs> And people laughed at me for leaving features to go to television. Yeah. And then everybody and their dog. Now, you know, th- there are no feature writing jobs because there's only, you know, comic book movies and there's 10 people who write them. And so all those feature writers are been clamoring to get into TV and trying to take our jobs for years. But it does help, actually, uh, like you said, that we've been around forever. And, you know, what they look for, I mean, the job we just got this year, um, they literally was because they're like, we need people. You know, what we have written a lot of is called procedural television, which is, you know, crime solving kind of a thing. Or, you know, it just shows that have a procedure, whether it's, you know, a crime solving procedure, a cop procedure, you know, a doctor procedural, a lawyer, whatever. Yeah, it seems like there's that, a lot of that out there. Yeah. So because of that, um, you know, they, they needed they needed writers with more of that experience on a show that had, you know, some supernatural elements in it. And they were like, hey, we got enough supernatural people. We need some, you know, people who can do the the procedural stuff and so you know we got the job so cool yes it does help so is it hard to um adapt to a novel though um i i would say it's well i mean it's uh, 
it's a little both. Um, in some ways, it's freeing because you don't have to create everything from nothing. <laughs> um, there's something there to start with and to you know and to guide you and inspire you. Um, on the other hand, there are certain elements that you're kind of then um, beholden to um, that you have to make work. Um, in this case, the novel that we adopted is something adapted, not adopted, adapted um, is something we actually found ourselves through our agency. Our agency represents a bunch of, um, you know, also a bunch of novels and novel writers. Um, and they send a list around once a week. And you can go through there and see, you know, if anything sparks your interest. We had already been talking about wanting to do, you know, a paranormal show, um, you know, and we had gone to Scotland, fallen in love with it, realized they had this really unique university set up there. Um, and then we found this book, which actually was a, um, it's actually a young adult book. It's a YA book. And um, the author is, you know, a very uh, well-respected author who's written a lot of big hit books. She actually has a movie um, being made of one of her books. Um, but we, it was, it was a young adult um, thing. And so we knew we were going to have to age it up. Um, and so what started out as, you know, kind of a, a 13 year old girl with a, a friend, you know, turned into, you know, a 22 year old girl who has a, you know, has a boyfriend um, and just kind of, it all got kind of aged up. Um, so it's, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's been great because there was a lot of stuff because it's a genre show, meaning, you know, it's like, a, it's a supernatural kind of show. There's a lot of elements. There's a, you have to kind of create a world that has rules. And a lot of that was already done in the book. Um, so we were able to just take those elements um, and, and, and adapt them for the show. And then the other great thing is when you go in to, to pitch it, because you have to go pitch it to studios and networks, they feel more comfortable, um, even though we have a lot of credits, they're more comfortable saying, oh, there's a book that exists that's already out there that's successful that they're adapting. And so we don't have to count on these two bozos to come up with something great. Like they're going to take what's in the book. So they're, they're much more likely to say yes to something um, that has that, you know, that underlying IP, which is you know, intellectual property. That's, that's what everything's about these days. You know, I'm sure that'll change. The business changes every five minutes, but right now, almost everything that comes out has some sort of IP attached, you know, a, a, a book, um, somebody's true life story, a comic, uh, you know, something underlying that makes, you know, the people who spend the money feel like, you know, they're not going to, they have a reason they're making a good investment. Do you get, do you get the stats when I download your free ebook on on the Kindle? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, that's funny you asked that. I used to get, did I ever get an email? I can go check, but I just assume no one's reading it. So I haven't checked in. Come on, SA. <laughs> are you going to follow it up though? Uh, I am. It's just so much work. Yeah. That, um, while you're while you're actively employed, it's not at the top of your list. Yeah, it's tough. Um, the other thing is, I mean, I wrote that just as that was more of a, I want to see if I can do this sort of a thing. Yeah. The next time I do something, I'm actually going to try to be um, a little bit more thoughtful about it because what I didn't realize when I wrote this was that this doesn't really fit in a category. When you go out to try to, when you go out to try to sell or market your book, everybody wants to know what category does it fit in. And this, that book doesn't really fit in a category. It's not very interesting. I like that. It's not a detective novel. It's not a crime novel. It's not a romance. It's not like, it's a little piece of everything. Like I really, I mean, the kind of stuff I read is, is more of sort of, you know, modern day literature sort of stuff. So I wrote something I felt was more like that, but then I realized unless you're, 
you know, unless there's only a handful of those people and that's the hardest thing to, to be successful at. It's much easier to kind of pick a lane and then people, because there's people that just go look, Oh, I like to read, you know, detective stories and they'll go look, what's the new detective story. Yeah. Oh, this book looks interesting. And they'll read that. So I didn't do that. And so consequently there's not really a niche, um, for me to market that. And, and I realized if I was to do it again, I should probably pick more of a lane or if I'm not going to pick a lane then I need to figure out how I would, you know, market that stuff. And it's just, it's I literally, uh, I've done the research. You, you, I could literally spend all day, every day marketing. Like there's tools on the internet to do all that stuff. It just would take, it's, it's a full-time job and I already have a full-time job. Yeah. Don't um, pick a lane though. Right. I mean, write, write what you want to write and then let people figure out what compartment to put it in. Is that not correct? Yeah. I mean, what's kind well, of, I mean, yeah, you can do that. It's just, I know it's probably not, I mean, but the money follows, right? If you do what you want to do, you can't worry about which niche you're going after. I mean, um, well, it, it depends if, if I had, you know, if I sent it out, you know, to a publisher or, to, you know, to an agent or somebody and they loved it and, you know, pushed it and wanted and wanted to do it, that'd be one thing that I wouldn't have to worry about that. But when it comes to marketing it yourself, I mean, right. you, you literally, I, I mean, cause I had, I would go on like, there's a, a site called uh, Goodreads where you can list your, your books and people who are on that site, you know, the stuff gets, um, gets sent to them. And so I can go on and pick like what authors are you, is your book like, and I can pick that stuff and I can pick, you know, what, what kind of story is it? I can pick a bunch of stuff, but then people would get it and they read, and then they would leave a nasty review. Like he said, this was a, you know, he said this was a crime story. It's not really a crime story. It's yeah. just, you know, <laughs> hey, people lash back at you. I had like, never oh. thought of that. What no. a miserable part of that. No, it is. And I didn't mean it. What I meant was you're, you didn't formulate some shit there. Oh, like that was <laughs> that was anonymous, right? <laughs> My feedback. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love that you're gonna write again because I did enjoy the book, despite the review I gave you. Uh, <laughs> I, I did enjoy it, uh, and I think that you should do it again. And, and the reason I brought it up is why worry about a niche? Just fucking write your shit, dude, and and let people do what they will with it. Well, I need to be at a certain point to not care about money. Then, so that's aren't why you I'm there? Doing this for I'll be doing this for a few more years. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I mean, you are an investor. Yeah, and I. All right. I'm so, just, anyhow, Austin, you had questions, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, Sandy, yeah, I got, Sandy, I got one just kind of obscure one for you. So, when you're doing those, t when you're doing the television shows, how closely do you work with like the directors on there, or is it kind of like a two separate department thing? Um, well, normally you're in charge of, uh, most shows you're in charge of your episode that you write. And so, um, the directors are all hired beforehand cause you have to, they have to be hired you know, months in advance because people fill out their whole year you know, schedule. So those slots are already taken. You don't know which director you're going to get. They're filled in a slot. And if you end up writing that slot, that's the director you get. So you don't get to pick them, but when the time comes, you know, to produce the episode, uh, most shows I've been on, it depends on your level. I mean, upper levels for sure, uh, lower levels sometimes, but, um, you, you produce your episode. So there's, you know, a week of prep, which, you know, that's when the director, you know, that's when you do all your casting, the director picks locations. Um, you know, you do the costume, the wardrobe, um, all the decisions that have to be made about how the episode's going to be shot, um, or made during the prep week. Um, and usually um, on most shows, the writer's there for, uh, you know, either all of that or, or a good chunk of it. 
um, so they can have input. And then when shooting starts, um, you're there. <laughs> you're sitting. You're sitting there. You're giving notes to the director. I mean, you have to be respectful um, because they're the ones that talk to the actors and do all that stuff. Because you're the one that you know. You have to sit there and say, "Hey, yeah, I don't. You know, they shouldn't be acting like this in this scene. You know, they should be happy. They should be. You know, she should be excited about this. Why is she playing it this way? You know, that kind of stuff. So you're you're there. You're kind of in charge of making sure because the director is on your show for you know two weeks and then he goes to another complete different show. You're on your show the entire season. You know the arcs for all the characters. You know what the what the other episodes are like. What the show is supposed to look like, sound like. And so you have to kind of be there, you know, to keep them." You know, to keep them honest, and and a lot of good directors are happy to have you there because that way they, you know, they can ask questions, make sure they're doing things the way the show showrunner wants them done. So that being said, I mean that was just kind of a long way around. So it seemed like you got to work with Bill Delia, who, um, if as you know, his son's kind of on the up and coming in the uh, stand up comedy scene right now. So did you get to work pretty closely with him? Because I've actually heard some pretty good stories about him just being a follower of his son. Uh, yeah, I love Bill. Um, Bill basically, I mean, he basically ran Boston Legal. Um, That's David what it Kelly's, looked like, yeah. Yeah, David Kelly's the writer, but, um, you know, he didn't like to um, interact with the actors or be on set. And so, you know, Bill did all that. Bill cast all the episodes. He's a great director. Um, so he directed a number of the episodes, but he was always there, um, to, you know, to, to help the incoming directors during their prep and while they were shooting. Um, yeah, I mean he's a he's a total pro. Yeah, total exactly yeah, total pro. That's exactly what I've, that's what I've heard mostly. That's really cool though. All right, so now you uh, again you have a platform uh, for early release of all of these uh, great storylines. Um, we have four to six people that listen to this. Um, I think your list, you know, you're going to get some really good. Uh, Is that counting list. me or not? Is that counting me or not? I, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Let us crunch the numbers. The numbers have not come out yet. <laughs> uh, so I tell you, promote, promote, promote. Uh, okay, usually at this point, now JJ's got a lot of questions. So uh, I'm going to let him go for a little bit, okay? All right, turn him loose. All right, so I think I got to start with, I don't know if I should say his name, but somebody got stuck in like a, a closet or something at, at your home. Can you, can you, what happened? Um, it was, it was not my home, um, but it was, it was a friend's home. Um, and I think the person involved who, I, I don't want to mention his name cause I love him dearly. Of course. CJ, um, is that, is that, is that discreet enough? Uh, CJ? Yeah. Um, I, I suppose that's fine. It is. He's I a listener to actually, he likes our podcast. Yeah. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. um, he must have a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> uh, I think it was just one of those things. Um, I mean, obviously, we're doing a supernatural show, so even though I've not had any supernatural experiences myself, um, I nor, think they're fascinating. And I and I and I'm I'm not sure what happened in there, but when he came out, you know, um, different man. He was he 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 was changed. He had gone through something. Um, and I know the person that owned the house quickly sold the house um, <laughs> for fear. Yeah, and then I just heard recently this would be new news to you, Steve. Uh, apparently, um, the person that sold the house moved a lot of their belongings into the storage area. Yeah, um, and the stuff that was in that closet uh, had been basically narrowed down to like kind of one box, 
and they stacked it all into the storage unit. And then, you know, some there was some humid weather or whatever, and there's some moisture got in there, and I guess some of the, the, the boxes collapsed, um, you know, because the cardboard or whatever gave way. But he went, they went back there to get some of their stuff, and all the all the boxes were dumped in the middle of the storage area, and at the very bottom was this one box that seemed like it had sort of caused the whole thing. And yeah. so we're now wondering if whatever evil was in that room is now contained in this box. <laughs> You know, wow. I, I told him, I said, you know, you, you make your own decision about what to do about that. I, I might be getting rid of that shit. Well, I'm curious when they're going to find the <laughs> Indian burial ground. What episode is that? <laughs> right? Because shit that happened in that closet stays in that closet. Shout out, CJ. I know you're still recovering. But, yeah, um, it was a tough night for the kid. Um, all right, you already asked about the lactose hooker. Do I, do I remember... Steve told me a story. Maybe you like fainted at Stubbs one year for LeBois. Oh yeah, good, Did, good, good pull. What what uh, happened? Oh, I do, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fainter myself, which is why I asked the question with intrigue. Were you there, Austin? Is that why no? I remember hearing the story. That's all I remember. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was funny because we were. I think we was that a day we had. Uh, I think we were out uh, playing wiffle ball all day or. Not sure what no, that I think was. it was the Sunday night actually. Like I, I think it was the night where we finished cutting up. But either way, oh, you, was it Sunday? Uh, well, I, whatever it would have been. My memory was that we had been out and we had been just drinking beer all day. Um, and Steve, you know, I don't know if, if he announces this openly on the podcast. I assume he does. Um, was was smoking something? Absolutely. Oh, we talk about that openly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I, I took a I took a hit of that, and the world just started closing in. Um, and I, I, I have a similar oh my story, God. dude. <laughs> Steve did that same shit to me. <laughs> I feel I'm you. I feel you. It's not me, bro. Same story. Hundred degrees out. We, he was shoving IPAs down my throat and passing the pipe, and I fucking hit the rocks. Yeah. So I, I saw, like, I could see the booth over there, and I was just trying to get there on my feet while it was like they were lead. I was like, I was walking through water, just trying to get, yeah. trying to get there. And I don't know. I think my, I think I got close enough so that my head at least hit the, um, hit the booth. Uh, but the next thing I know, yeah, like everybody's <laughs> gathered around me. They called my number. And the most embarrassing part is, the, the ambulance guy shows up and he's like, "How you doing?" Whatever. I say, "Yeah." I feel okay now. I feel better. I'm drinking some water. I said, I think I'm okay. And he's like, um, do you mind telling me, you know, how much you've had to drink today? I said, I said, not that much. I said, you know, I said like 10 or 12 beers. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and I went, oh, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Over the day. entire day. <laughs> well, like, you know, that like a normal, it's like, <laughs> you know, you're in the group and everybody like says, oh, hey, you haven't had that much to drink, you pussy. And then you talk to somebody in the real world, and they're like, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even ever even get to mention that I had smoked pot. It was literally like. <laughs> you were yeah, done at 10 to 12 beers. Yeah, you need to drink some water. And we had been outside. He goes, I think you're dehydrated. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, was, that was. uh so done that. Same. Yeah. Same yeah. story. I hear you. Well. All well, right. Steve's, uh, Steve's, I told you, he's the common denominator when you go through. Okay. So let's piggyback off that. He told me you guys were roommates for a short while. And I want to know two things. Steve's worst roommate trait and the best story from the, where you guys lived. Uh, worst roommate trait. Um. I, I didn't. I didn't. 
I don't think he. Um, I don't know. We 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 got along pretty well on that. We never had. Well, that's untrue. We would have. We would get. We get mad about other things. We didn't get mad like, hey, you didn't pick up your socks. But we would get mad about other stuff, and then we'd be start dividing up the stuff in the fucking apartment. Like, okay, <laughs> I'm taking the couch. That's true. <laughs> you're not allowed to crap this wall. This, this part of the couch is mine. You have to stay over there. That is awesome. I can't use my DVR. <laughs> Like a couple of five year olds. <laughs> so we were, and that happened like five or ten times. Like, that is awesome. I, don't think it's that many. I love that. Yeah. And here uh, you are, however many years later. Until you got meningitis, <laughs> and uh, you were on death's doorstep. <laughs> Fuck. Honestly, the guy was really about to die. Yeah, yeah. Meningitis yeah. do that, and that's when I divided all the shit. He was he was too weak to even see what happened. I got his toaster. I got the microwave. Is that when you just bailed? Oh, yeah, dude, it was great. You stuck it with some other dude. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Then I go to visit Steve later up in in uh, I don't even remember if it was in Boise or if it was in the Bay Area, and I'm like, hey, that's my shit. That's our picture. <laughs> that's my shit. <laughs> I deny sort of that. Oh my god, think, that's awesome! I think my fondest memory of living with Steve was um, we had Thursday nights, which was our night, which is like you know we had bad, we both had girlfriends off and on or whatever. So like uh, you always had stuff on Friday, Saturday you had to do, but like Thursday nights we just said, okay, Thursday nights are our night. Whatever's going on, we're gonna you know we're gonna meet up, we're gonna do shit. And mostly what it was <laughs> is I come home from school, he'd come home from work, and it would mostly be us. Uh, Drinking and smoking and watching, huh. you know, uh, watching movie, mostly weird science. I, think. I was going to say weird science or yellow beard <laughs> or yellow beard. Um, yeah, just like and uh, I remember the one time we got um, Steve's cousin had a friend and she gave us she's like, oh, there's this new thing. Halcyon, you got to try it. And she gave us these two little pills, and we're like, oh, that's what is it? Night. It's a sleeping pill called Halcyon. We thought that's the coolest thing in the world. We got them. We were drooling vegetables like 30 minutes later. Like, Well, no, we, just, we, we sat down. We had the movie in. We had our beers and everything. We popped those. Like, this is going to be a great night. Next thing I know, I wake up. It's like 3 in the morning. She's tapped out next to me. We never – the movie's over. Yeah. Never – the whole night was gone. Yeah. Uh, sleeping pills don't – they're not really all that. They it put you to sleep. Sounds like it's better <laughs> they, than – They did everything they were supposed to do. Better than Ambien where you're doing shit and you don't even know it. Could have happened. <laughs> Could have happened. Um, all right. What are the questions you have, Mr. Davis? Um, I was going to talk to you about cigars. I don't know how much of an aficionado you are because I am not, but I'm around people that are. What's your favorite cigar right now that you smoke? Um, well, I guess, I mean, I've, I've sort of tapered off in the last year or so just cause yeah. you know, time, money, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the the cigar I always loved, and well, you know, one of the reasons I went to Cuba is, you know, um, is I, is I just love the uh, the Cohiba, the Siglo number four, I think it is, um, and that's that's like what I when we went to Cuba, I just had one in my mouth everywhere we went. Like, you can walk into any any place, restaurant, walk down the street. Like, obviously in Cuba, they don't they don't give a shit. Yeah, they promote anywhere, that, which is pretty cool. Um, but you know. Yeah, you can get Cubans. They're just a little, you know, it's a little harder and it's a little expensive. Like twenty dollars for a stick is a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Of, my, smoking a twenty dollar bill just makes me a little feel a little wasteful. Yes, um, or decadent. So I, mean, I, yeah. 
I smoke a lot of Romeo and Julietas. Yeah. Um, I love the Monte Cristo white, which is I, I'm not a big I'm not into the big, you know, yeah, the big. I like the milder cigar. You know, yep. the ones that the other ones that knock you on your ass. That, that's no fun. No. Because uh, I usually like to have a scotch or have a beer or something with it. And right. So if it's got a big kick, that kind of takes away the fun. Um, but now, you know, the Hogue now has become uh, he's to get off cigarettes. He decided, you know, he was going to learn cigars. Oh, so when I, I, just, I just saw him last weekend, and he smoked three cigars huh? in the three hours that yeah. I was there. How many glasses of scotch? Uh, it wasn't, he wasn't as bad on the scotch. We really didn't drink very much, um, which is amazing, but I was still hung over for two days. So. Oh, okay. Well, so, yeah. so mission so accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... You you mentioned going to Cuba and and this just triggered an immediate story. Mayday? Can you tell me about Mayday? Uh, well, Mayday is not in Cuba. Right. Um, Where did it occur? It occur it occurred in the Bahamas. Um, I I um, we there was a a long-standing tradition. The guys used to um, this being Todd Hogue, Chris Jones. And Shannon Bryant. We normally don't um, use last names, but that's cool. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> they all they had a longstanding um, thing where they would they would go diving, um, and so uh, I guess about 15 years ago, I got certified and said I wanted to go with them. Um, so we went on a diving trip, went to Cozumel, did some stuff, and then while we were in uh, Belize one year, and we were sitting there, and I saw the there's people pulled up in this catamaran and they had all their dive stuff on it. And we, we were sitting there like we had been since noon on the, on the deck of our, uh, of our rental, you know, drinking. And I'm like, why aren't we on a boat? Why are we sitting here like all day at this, on this, at this rental, not doing anything when we could be out in a boat cruising around. So, um, I took some sailing classes. Uh, I got certified sail and I ended up, um, you know, I, I went and I did some charters and stuff and they, I convinced them to go with me. Um, so we did a trip to, I think the first trip we did was to, um, the BVI and then we went to the Bahamas. Um, so basically picture, you know, it's a 40 foot catamaran. It's about a $800,000 to a million dollar boat. Um, you're, you signed your life. A waiver to get it. Yeah. To rent it. Um, and we're sailing along and we cruised into this, uh, this place called Little Harbor, um, in the Bahamas. And we're pulling up to a mooring because there's basically a ball out there, and you, you you grab it with a hook, you tie it to the front of your boat, and you just kind of float out in the water. Uh, so we're coming around to grab this mooring ball, and the dinghy, which is the little boat that um, you use to get to shore and back, was tied to the back of the boat, and the rope on it ran slack, and the prop caught it, and just like <laughs> killed the engine. Um, so the engine dies. And we're floating there, and I try to restart because I didn't realize what happened at that moment. Try to restart. The other the other uh, engine won't start. Um, so we're floating. Channing's like down. He's like, oh hey, the, the rope's wrapped around the prop, <laughs> and we're we're basically floating into the rocks um, at a pretty good clip because the wind was blowing pretty good. We're probably doing about three knots, basically into the rocks. How fast um, is a nautical mile? Uh, it is a nautical mile. Okay, so how fast is that compared to a re- real mile? It's basically the same. Oh. So it's slightly, yeah, it's, it's, it's negligible. They're, they're, they're used interchangeably. Um, so um, we're sitting there, 
floating into the rocks and there's i mean we're in a little harbor and there's people right there and i'm thinking we we just we need somebody to just come over and grab us because we can't we couldn't get the dinghy off to go out and grab the front of the boat or i pulled it in so i was like we just call somebody so i had jones grab the um uh grab the radio and call i said call mayday because i'm like we're in this there are people right here like we're in the bahamas in the middle of nowhere the only can, people can, are going to hear Sandy, us i gotta ask in a hundred yard radius how, how deep was the water he was getting uh, there. I don't know, probably ten feet. Uh, I've heard different. <laughs> well, six-ish, I mean, there's a six-ish. But, but that doesn't stop you. You're going to get out and stop a. Uh, no, 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 no. Eight hundred thousand dollars catamaran. No, no, no. I'm, I'm worried about the boat. The boat. No, okay. Off. It's not safety. The it's the boat because it's it's, a, it's under your name. Yes. So I want somebody to come out with it and and grab the front and pull us away from the rocks. That's what I'm hoping for because there's no. I, I I don't know what else to do. Um. So he's and called Jones, Mayday, yeah. And we so we called Mayday. No one, no one answered. In fact, there were people. <laughs> there were some people sitting in a boat watching us, and still laughing. It felt kind of dicky, didn't it? <laughs> no, they were laughing at him. It feels kind of dicky. Yeah, they were. They weren't laughing, but they were. They were sitting there watching without not. You know, they didn't give a shit that we were that we were about to wreck and be blown up on the rocks. The last thing you want to do is fucking run aground. I mean, that's that's where all the fucking damage occurs, yeah. especially the wind blowing and the waves and everything luckily jones smart thinking um just said let's drop anchor and he dropped anchor. <laughs> we basically stopped right before we hit the shore and then we could get the dinghy off and uh, we used it to pull the you know pull the line out and get back on the morning okay so <laughs> oh you go no you go I- i'm just gonna keep it serious yeah so like i've taken people out in my drift boat and that's like not even close to what you're talking about as far as like being there but were those guys looking to you like captain that ship you know what i mean like i don't like that feeling i've taken some people out and i'm not like an expert oarsman and so there's like i always have some trepidation before i go back out did you did you have any trepidation taking those guys out there i mean um I mean, I have gone and, and done it myself, and we had a boat, you know, for six years. Yeah. So, I wasn't, I mean, so you were pretty comfortable. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously it's a lot bigger boat because it's a catamaran. Sure. It's quite wide, and um, it, was, it was a longer boat. Um, I mean, uh, not really. I mean, if you, if, if, you don't, if you don't run over, you know, if you don't wrap your line around the prop and do stupid things, yeah. um, you should be fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's just a me, weird situation, too. Well, and I, w- I will say in our defense, um, as a bunch of knuckleheads, in the, in the two trips we've had, that's the only issue we ever had, which to me is kind of amazing. So tell me well, about these trips, though. So no, that's, you've done that's, them twice. For, first of all, he's inaccurate. We've had federales called. <laughs> not 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 on the two not on the two diving trips. <laughs> not on the two sailboat diving trips. Sailboat diving trips. I like, like how he's very specific about those two specific trips. Yeah, I wasn't on the Federales trip. That I wasn't was either, like, but it's famous, and we'll get them on air at some point and talk about the Federales trip. But um, yeah, it's a good story. It's a great story. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, and then the the only the oh no, I got a couple more for you. So favorite board game is you uh, growing up or or toy or the thing you remember most. Hmm, I knew this favorite toy thing was going to come back to haunt me. Um. And I know you cheated at whatever game it was. Well, I mean, what we, I, what I used to play with my sisters and everything. I mean, we're all obsessed with Monopoly. Did you cheat? 
Um, you probably. Did. Yeah. Come on. Probably. Man. Come on. I mean, see, that, that, that answer right there, <laughs> ambiguous probably. as it I is. Probably. I mean, why, why wouldn't I? You're a kid. So would you, but you remember, so harken back, let, let's, you know, get that out of there. Were you a banker and cheated? Were you one of those guys that like would prop a hotel up on his property when nobody was looking? How'd you cheat? Um, you know, I don't remember. I never, never cheated at the banker part because that just felt like too, because that's kind of like the trouble. That was too blatant. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're handling for everybody, so it seems like, yeah, that would be bad to do. Um, I don't actually remember. Probably like more like, you know, you know, change the dice when somebody's not looking or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I, lo- I love how everybody's always like, well, I, I don't really know, but it might have been changing the dice. It might <laughs> I, I might have taken a card from the bottom. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how do people cheat in those games. I can tell you why I would have cheated, and that's because I was going to lose. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And you were that's the youngest, right? So there's no reason. There's no reason to cheat if I'm doing well. But like, if I was going to lose, I probably would, you know, do something. So you cheated a lot. <laughs> Hello. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did did that mindset carry over to the basketball court when you were down? Did you did you press hard, like did you throw he was so hard? For, he was so fucking dirty. Yeah, he's he's a dirty basketball player. Would you Sandy, claim that? Can you Sandy? admit that? Um, well, let's just let's just make one thing clear right now. Steve is a wimp who plays on the outside. Yes, does not like contact. He's a cherry who picker who doesn't like to get in and block off. Who doesn't like play to defense? No nope. rebounds. Yeah. He likes to sit outside and shoot because he's a fancy boy. And he doesn't really want to like cross half court either. You know, like he he'd like to just stand on one side of the court and just shoot. Oh yeah, no, he doesn't want to get back in defense. No. Sure. Were you um, ever ejected from a game, Sandy? Not real games. <laughs> <laughs> not like from a sanction. Not like in a high school game or anything. No, never like never like a high school game or anything. Okay. I've, I've been ejected. I was, from... so I played dirtier than Sandy. <laughs> well, he's a gobby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you played against Jeff. <laughs> Jeff and Sandy are the same player, except Sandy's a little more skilled. Yeah. <laughs> same guy. I have been ejected, uh, ejected from City League games. Yes, I've seen uh, it. Where I screamed at, I screamed at uh, Stan Gaxiola. Told him what a pussy he was. Dude, he teed me too, that fucking pussy. Stan, if you're listening, you know, seriously, he can't like somebody's had to have shot him, like like his own troops or something. Like Stan, if you're listening, get a life. I mean, seriously. He was a narc in high school. This guy, uh did you guys have narcs in high school that were like uh wannabe cops? What did we call them back then? Twenty one jump street, bro. No, that no, they were actually like they worked. Kind of for the cops? Yeah. No, they have them now. They, I never ran into them, but yeah. At your high school, you didn't have like that particular kid that like, he was that guy. Not that I knew of, no. Right, Sandy? Am, he, I, am I missing something here? Am I not remembering that correctly? Didn't he wear a uniform and shit, or was that just something uniform? he did? <laughs> I don't remember the uniform, but I do remember the, the white unmarked car with the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> See? We do have vague <laughs> And he was a referee. It makes perfect sense. You know the best story about him, though, is when Chris Jones was trying to buy tickets. He and I were trying (laughs) to buy tickets for the Elite Eight in Oakland. We saw Stan Gaxiola. And we're like, hey, Stan. He had fucking tickets, and we were begging. So Stan got over over all those years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I weren't really happy about that. So anyhow. Um what else you got? 
I don't know if you're a fan of live music or not, but if you are, favorite uh, live show you've ever been to? Um, I mean, I would have to say, I mean, most, I mean, I'm a Springsteen guy, so I've seen him 20 times. <laughs> 20 <laughs> times? Yeah. Probably. Dude, that's uh, like you're, you're deadhead status. Oh, I like, thought you were going to say 19 too many times. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Don't be so judgy, bro. Oh. I don't. I don't get. It. I've never got it. Never got it. But, <laughs> but I know. I know because I know. I can't open my mind. Blah blah blah. I'm a Van Halen guy. I get it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you're you're simple, but that's yeah. Good. Yeah. No, I knew that's where they always yeah. go. <laughs> but uh, actually, probably the, my favorite one of uh, of those concerts was a um, uh, was I think it was called the Seeger Sessions Band, which they just did a bunch of like old Americana music, and he brought in like a whole different band with trumpets and. Um, and you know all kinds of woodwinds and and uh, you know fiddles and whatnot. It was just a it was just a really cool. Um, have, he has a live album which I think is like a live in Dublin that is all that music and they kind of reinterpreted some of his songs and then did a bunch of um, you know Pete Seeger and other people's songs. It was uh, that's probably my favorite concert just because it was so interesting, different, and innovative. Well, I'm I'm. Not happy with that. I thought I'm it would have been. It. I'm watching it tonight, Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it would have been Easter Sunday, 1983, the Scorpions and Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> they, we, people threw shoes. At bon <laughs> we did. People threw shit at Bon Jovi. They were the opening. Really? Day. Oh, yeah, dude. The Scorpions killed it. Uh, or yeah, I yeah. thought you would have said Cheap Trick, Hollywood Palladium, 1986. That, that was a great show. I was that say. not a great show, dude? It was a great. They're just a great performance band. Um, now I have this thing on Apple, which Karen pays for, but I use, <laughs> which, which you can basically download anything for however much a month. And then I don't know how much she pays a month. It's like 14 bucks or whatever, but I got to go back now and download all the cheap trick stuff that, you know, that I don't have. You used to have on cassette and CD. Yeah. Eight yeah. Track. Stuff I never owned. And yeah, all that stuff is on cassette. We had a grip of the, of Bunny Carlos's stick. Ooh. Do you remember that, Sandy? I'm not talking after the show. I'm talking like when he threw his stick. <laughs> Bunch. <laughs> you don't remember that when he threw his drumstick out? I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I'm asking for. A little, just a little acknowledgement. I said yes. Okay. Uh, uh, being the youngest, did you ever have to wear hand-me-downs? Uh, well, there's three girls, so yeah. no. I mean. And he's a richie rich kid. Any cousins? I don't know why you say I'm a Richie Rich. Kid. You didn't. You saw where I lived. <laughs> it's all about perspective, so, Sandy. So We're all looking up, brother. Up. Anybody in the middle class or lower middle class is Richie Rich. Just see. Would you just throw me in the lower, lower middle class? <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought I'd be. Yes. You know, I thought I was lower middle class for a second. So nope. you, you just knocked me down another fucking level. <laughs> more to be jealous about. Awesome. Uh, it's good that you've let it go, though. Oh, uh, no, no, no. I'm uh, bitter. You know I've passed all that. That's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else you got, Jay? Uh, I owe you a thank you. Uh, I was telling Steve before the podcast, I lost a bunch of weight, and you. It was, I used what you told me at LeBlanc one time as motivation. You said I was the most unhealthy 30-year-old you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to be real, dude. Like, that shit helped. I, like, I still think about that. Oh. <laughs> like every time I put something in my mouth, I see Sanford Golden. Whoa! 
<laughs> all right that's a little bit much but no thank you for real and like uh there's always this like debate of whether or not like friendly banter like that helps or whatever or just being like a dick helps steve called it being a dick those are not my words but i appreciate the honesty no you used your dickiness for the power of good yeah it worked you know, what's funny is I didn't even remember. Yeah, he wouldn't. You being, no. I mean, I remember the idea of you being heavy, but I don't remember what you look like because I've seen you since and you look, you know. I look normal. Right yeah, normal. <laughs> I look like a regular person. <laughs> I was not a regular person before. I was oversized. You were oversized. Yeah. But, and, and Sandy, good looking out for him. Yeah, dude. Hey, anytime you need me to insult me, insult you, just call. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll put that in the podcast notes. Get ready. Run that hotline. 